We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know what's next, don't you? It's rapid. Oh, I know fire. it's not. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! Let's go, baby. All right, so rapid fire. I did, I did my best, Sean Styers impression. Tried to come up with some good questions. Uh, we are going to. Uh, I'm going to write down the time here, so I know what to give Brian. Okay. We could also roll into this nice super chat oh. we got to lead off the rapid fire, you. if you want. You're like a producer. All right, you're like a <laughs> producer. I'm going to pull it up right now from Kyle Barry. Thank you so much, Kyle, for the super chat. He says, say Notre Dame goes two and one in the big three games, and you get to pick the loss. Think the obvious answer would be Clemson. Say Notre Dame goes one and one against Ohio State and USC. Which win is more important for Notre Dame and Freeman? Yeah, so I'll start with this one. It's I love this question, and I'm going to sort of play devil's advocate for a hot second because I agree with everything Kyle says in this question because he's mm-hmm. assuming a couple of things. Um, but, like, who's to say that Clemson doesn't go 12-0 and and, like, wins the entire ACC, right? Like, to me, it's, it's hard right now to say, you know, who the obvious, you know, L you'd want it to be and that sort of thing. But, like, what if Ohio State, for some reason, has a 6-6 six and six year? You know, what if sure. USC – but following the frame of this question, because I'm assuming the same things that Kyle is, right? Like, I think of those three that Clemson would be um, would be Clemson. Yeah, if you were going to go two and one, and who would hold more weight out of USC and um, Ohio State? It's got to be Ohio State for me, and it's just because of, you know, when you think of this area, uh, the Midwest, it's been dominated by Ohio State, you know, the last decade, two decades, however long – you know, you kind of want to go back. Basically, the Trestle era um, that has now been the Urban Meyer and Ryan Day era is kind of all lumped into one. And I think it sets the stage or gains you a little bit more respect nationally when you take down kind of a giant like like Ohio State. It's kind of like, you know, like in video games when you're, you, you like have to go through all the different kind of like bosses to get to the big main boss. I feel like Ohio State is like the the – the, the boss right before the, the last stage, like the, the Alabama is kind of like the ultimate big boss that you got to beat. And to sure. me, you go through Ohio state 
to kind of get to Alabama at this point, right? Like USC hasn't been good since Pete Carroll and Reggie Bush, in my opinion, right? Like they've agreed. They've basically fallen off. And in that same time era, Ohio state is dominated and won at least one, if not two national championships. Right. So to me, if you beat Ohio state, I think that is the biggest tone setter um, of those three teams. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I would agree with you because I also think that Ohio State wins you some recruiting battles moving forward, too. Right. That's Notre another thing, too. It's like yeah. a territorial war. Right. Notre Dame doesn't run up against Clemson or, or or USC that often. Yes, they do run into them on the recruiting trail. I know Notre Dame is, is doing a much better job in California, so they're going to run into USC. There's no doubt. But at the same time, they run into Ohio State a heck of a lot more than they run into anybody else. And you get a win against Ohio State at home in that environment. It, I mean, it's going to be unbelievable, right? I mean, that that is a program altering, a program changing in a good way for Notre Dame. Win. There's, there's no doubt about it. And so I would say the, the most important win out of those three is Ohio State. Uh, I guess between Clemson and USC, which one I, do I think is more important? I would rather beat USC just because I hate them more. Right. It's more of a, a yeah. personal vendetta. Like that's the rivalry side of things coming out for me. Right. I think. Like we won't see Ohio State for you right. know, however long again after this season. And and Notre Dame has has proven that they can beat Clemson. Um, and I know they've proven that they can beat USC, but they haven't proven that they can beat this 
USC with Lincoln Riley at the helm. They haven't because they only played him once and they lost. And it was close, but not really, right? I mean, depending on a couple things go a different way. Yeah, it's a different game, but it wasn't that. It, it went bad. So Ohio State's number one for me. USC's number two. Clemson's number three. Depending on, on the day, I might swap USC and Clemson, but um, Ohio State is definitely number one for all of those reasons. Like, And then you throw into the fact that, you know, Marcus Freeman went to Ohio State. I mean, all of the different storylines, it's got to be Ohio State. It's got to be, right? Be and and you're not going to play Ohio State, I don't believe, for a while. So I wouldn't mind having bragging rights over uh, all those Ohio State fans for a good period of time. You're going to play Clemson. And you're gonna play USC many times between now right. and the next time you play. Like you Ohio only State. get a few shots to to land that right. knockout blow in Ohio exactly. State. Exactly, exactly. It's by far the number one for me. Like it's not. Hey, I'll let you speak to this comment in the chat. Brent says the Ohio State game is as big as the 1993 Florida State game. I wasn't alive, so I can't comment. It's right up there. I mean, it's not. It's not going to be. Well, I mean, it could be one versus two. I doubt it, though. It's going to be too early in the season for Notre Dame to climb up that high. And I don't think Ohio State is probably going to be number one unless Georgia stumbles between then and now, or, you know, now and then. <laughs> right. uh, but the implications are very similar, I would say. I mean, you're, you're still going to be talking about two top ten teams going at each other, and Notre Dame has not had success against Ohio State in a long time. So – yeah, I think it's going to be up there. It's going to be big. It's going to be big. I don't know if I'd put it quite there, but it's it's definitely in the neighborhood. It's you know what it feels like. It feels it'll feel very similar to like USC Notre Dame 05. Yeah, Bush push game. Yeah, like, like there was a lot of excitement around that game. Obviously, I think it's going to be a lot like that. That's what I'll say. I remember that game. There was that game and another game. I think it was USC one of those years around that era. I was at the Bush push game, but I wasn't at another one of the USC games. And my old house or my parents' old house was a lot closer in proximity mm -hmm. to Notre Dame. And so for any people that are like kind of local to the South Bend area, it was right around kind of like that movies, 14, um, Bane park, Bane park area. And you could hear the stadium from where we were. And that's the kind of game that I'm, you know, looking forward to against. Yeah. Like, that's what it's got to be. Like, yep. you, it, it's also to me on the fans, not as much as, you know, the players and coaching staff, but us as fans still have to show up and provide the environment that is, you know, it, it's got to be a home field. It's got to be, right. you know, something that is a difference maker because in these close games where these teams are so evenly matched, Something like, you know, a, a very loud and, you know, shaking stadium can be the difference maker. Oh, no doubt. You're, Especially look, for a quarterback that hasn't yes. really played in any major big games. Absolutely. And it's going to be a night game and, you know, all of that. Is it, isn't that one where they're going to wear green? Aren't they wearing green against Ohio State? Is that right? I hope. I think that's what it is. I, I They announced it so long ago. Like, I'm not used to them making announcements that long ago, but I'm pretty sure that's the one that they're wearing – uh, they're wearing their green jerseys for. So, I mean, the atmosphere is going to speak for itself. They're they're going to make Ohio. They're going to make Ohio State feel nice and at home. And hopefully, there's not a lot of red in the stadium. Obviously. So, one more question from the chat before we get to to our rapid fire. These are like our own little rapid fire questions. These are here like the appetizers. That's exactly fire. from NH. If Notre Dame went eleven and one, who would you want the loss to be to? 
So I saw this question kind of flying around the chat, and some people were saying Tennessee State. Yeah, that would be not Navy, and like you know, get it out of the way. I'm gonna be the one to tell you, a really bad loss against a really bad team is a lot worse than a close loss to a really good team, especially when you're considering. I mean, look at all three of those. What what benefits Notre Dame in this situation is. One team is in the Big Ten, one team is in the ACC, and one team's in the Pac-12. All three of those teams have a chance to win their conference. Sure. I think that's who I'm taking my loss to as a close game to a potential conference champion. You got it. You can't lose to the Stanfords and Marshalls of the season this Agreed. year. I think that's a lot worse of a look. Even if you sweep the big three, I think it's still a worse look to lose. I would rather lose a close game to one of the big three and then 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 um sweep the big three and lose to a navy uh, i think is i guess ultimately what i'm saying i would say of all the options that are on the table and it would suck in the moment but i would say if you if you go 11 if you if i know that i'm going 11 and 1 if i know that notre dame's going 11 and 1 i'm going to say nc state it's a trap gonna, game already yeah it's your first real opponent on the schedule, right? I mean, let's be honest. Much respect to Navy. It's your first real opponent on the schedule. It's the first real opponent on the road, right? But then, so you lose to them. What is that? Week three, something along those lines, right? Um, you lose to NC State, and it's sandwiched around, I believe, Tennessee State and Central Michigan. So you lose to them, but then you beat those big three, and all three of them win a conference championship, and they do all the things that they're supposed to do. You're in the playoff, yeah. no doubt about it. You are in the playoff because you'd be like, yeah, you know what? We stumbled early in the season, and but we that we beat three consecutive, we beat three conference champions who are all in consideration for one of these final four spots. We beat them all. We beat them all head to head. We're in. You guys duke it out for who else gets in. You know what I mean? Like that's that's how I would feel about it. I wouldn't want to lose any of the big three. Yeah, you've kind of altered my opinion here a little bit. Uh, Also, I don't know if you know, but the chat got a little bit more uh, star-studded with Ryan Roberts entering the chat. He's in here somewhere. He's throwing down some gauntlets, and I don't know if I appreciate it. (laughs) He's trying to get you in trouble. Seriously? (laughs) Gosh, that's messed up. Oh, Oh, now it's paid. Now you got to answer it. (laughs) That's messed up. (laughs) D-Troll Hunter. (laughs) <laughs> he even signed it, Ryan Roberts. I hope Ryan is going to send you the dollar ninety nine that you spent on a super chat to uh, force us to ask that question. He goes, "Yeah, now you got to read it." <laughs> he says, "Vince, who is your favorite style?" A very political answer. God darn right it is. It's absolutely <laughs> going to be a political answer. I have known both styers for the same amount of time. I have I met them both in person at the same time because it was a competition. It was on the radio. It was run by Sean Styers, and Jesse Styers was there to watch. And I'm sure he doesn't remember this because why I would was he? There. You, you were, were eight at, like, years Smoky old. Bones or something. Yeah, it was at Smoky Bones. You were like eight years old, and you were watching. Uh, and that's where I met you. I remember sitting at your booth afterwards, like talking to you guys. Um, so I mean, I've known you guys the exact same amount See, of time. So I can't even say I go you, back further with Sean. I'll give you Vince's real answer here. When he first started, it was my father because i was just a pesky eight-year-old at the time (laughs) who just loved to run around and bother people basically you know just hanging on to people's legs and 
you know, I was just being the kid that I was high energy, asking yep. a lot of questions, just a curious little guy in the world. And then as I developed and uh, became a student of the game under Vince's eyes, I think the teeter might have, you know, started to go a little bit because I was, I was, you know, I was helping Vince's career out at the end of the day. Not wrong. Know? If my I've, success and our success led to Vince's success at one point in life, so it's a good yeah, point. I think it's you kind of ask like five different five year yeah. windows. There's a different answer for each five year window. <laughs> let me let me tell you, I have never been more upset than when <laughs> I was the head freshman coach at Adams High Vince's, School in South Vince's Bend. Vince's worst day was potentially my best day. <sighs> yes, exactly, That's exactly right. The so we we were like, what did we have? One game left of the yeah, season. It was the last game. Of we the had year. one game good, left of good the opponent, season. the best opponent. Yeah, we were playing Penn, and we had a great season. And Jesse was my starting middle linebacker. He was the captain of the defense. Okay, he he was our dude on defense. I even put him in at tight end sometimes, so he would go in and like make a one handed catch, you know that kind of stuff. <laughs> so he was our yeah, guy on that. defense. All right, and the head coach, the varsity head coach, my boss comes to me and he's like, hey, I need to take Jesse to varsity because, you know, I we we got – somebody got – I can't even remember the reasoning why, but he's like, Someone I need hurt. Jesse. We didn't on, have depth at linebacker. Yeah. But, I mean, I didn't provide much depth. No. Like, and that's what makes me even – pound freshman linebacker. I remember the first play I got in, I got pancaked into the, into the bench on the sideline. It was a very rude awakening. <laughs> the, he took you away from us right before our biggest game, which we only lost – we, we we lost like a by a very small margin, by the way, in that game. You would have been the difference. I will go to my grave <laughs> saying that you would have been the difference in that game because yeah, you just would have been. I, I don't even want to go any further than that. You would have been the difference. I wasn't impressed with their quarterback. You would have been the difference. And he didn't even use you. He didn't even use you to the best of your ability. I think he had you on like a special team. I'm and like, you still special team, and then we were getting blown out, and we lost. Played. We had to play the same. We had to play the same team the next week, and we lost combined in those two weeks, hundred to zero. <laughs> oh, it's horrible! It was horrible. Not to get too far off a tangent. Oh my gosh! But yeah, you would have made the difference on the freshman level, and he didn't even use you on the varsity level. Never been so upset in my life because freshman football meant the world to me at the time. I was in my own little bubble, and I got screwed. I got screwed by my boss. <laughs> so anyway so jesse was definitely my favorite then uh that's for sure because he was the missing link on the sidelines of I mean. that game it just kind of you know we go through different Messed stages up. of life and yeah vince has different you know which tires is more important to him varies throughout the stages of his life yeah it was tough so yes it was at adams josh was it south Bend adams so just brought back a very bad memory for me thanks for that <laughs> All right, let's get into a couple more rapid-fire questions. We got some good ones here. I, like I said, I was channeling my inner Sean Styers on this one. Okay, a couple Cubs questions here for you. Number one, Ooh. this weekend, both Fred McGriff, okay. so there, there is a bit of a Cubs connection there, and Scott Rowland were inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Scale of okay. 1 to 10 on whether each one deserved to get in. Ah, so this one was a tough one for me because originally I was, I, for some reason got stuck on Scott Rowland. And so I went into 
a deep <laughs> rabbit hole of Scott Rowland. And then I started comparing him to Fred McGriff. And I was like, well, if I think this about Scott Rowland, then I kind of naturally have to think this about Fred McGriff. You know what, Vince? I'm going to say it. I don't think these guys are Hall of Fame material. And yeah. this isn't this isn't to knock these players because these are tremendous players, right? Like you look at their stats, tremendous players. My gripe with the situation is the MLB has set a very, very, very high standard and has made it the hardest Hall of Fame to get into. And there's a lot of players sitting out of the Hall of Fame right now that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And you start looking at guys like Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff, like, okay, Scott Scott Rowland was a seven-time All-Star, uh, an eight-time Golden Glove. You know what he didn't do? He didn't he, – he only batted 300, and I say only 300. He only batted 300, you know, three out of his 17 seasons. He's a career 280 hitter. Uh, he's got just over 2,000 hits. He's got 315 home runs, just shy of 1,300 RBIs. Uh, you know, I, I think ultimately what got Scott Rowland into the Hall of Fame is that he was a very good defensive player because his his offense was – average to above average I wouldn't say he was elite he might have had an elite season here or there but he wasn't a career elite hitter but when you start looking at you know his wins above replacement as a third baseman defensively 70 he's got 70 wins above replacement throughout his career that's a ninth all time for third baseman to go back to my original point, you know, Fred McGriff has pretty similar numbers, uh, you know, 2,500 hits, close to 500 home runs, you know, 1,500, 1,600 RBIs, ba- batting average is a career 285. But, I mean, that's expected out of you as a first baseman, right? You got more power. You got more slug. You're driving in more runs. The flip side, Scott Rowland had way better defense, obviously, while I was playing third sure. base. So, you know, McGriff, better hitter. Roland, better defensive player. Again, these are very solid players at the end of the day. Very, very good MLB careers. I just don't think it's Hall of Fame worthy at the end of the day. And I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I I guess if I was just going off of like name recognition without jumping into the stats, which obviously you have to do when you're considering the Hall of Fame. I mean, Scott Rowland is a guy that was, I mean, would you say he was the best third baseman during like at any point during his career? I, that's the thing. It's like, I, you know what, Vince? I saw I saw the a tweet this weekend that was like, Scott Rowland and Hall of Fame induction. I was like, is he going into like the Phillies, you know, like Hall of Fame? Is he going into the, the, <laughs> the Cardinals, Cardinals Hall of Fame? And I was like, oh, crap. Like, this is, this is the MLB Hall of Fame. And I think right. that's like kind of like, again, why I'm like kind of shocked by this. It's like, again, Scott Rowland wasn't the guy that like, he didn't win MVP. That was the other point I was going to make. He never, he didn't really ever sniff an MVP either. I think sure. his best MVP finish was like sixth or fifth overall. It's like he was a really good player, but he wasn't the guy to like put him over the top. He wasn't the game changer. He wasn't winning a World Series. He wasn't the best at his position in an era. Like he was, again, a very consistently good player, sure. but he wasn't to me a baseball Hall of Famer by what they've set the standard to at this point, it's the hardest hall to get into. Like you have to have very good numbers. And I just think that they fall a little bit short. Yeah. And I feel the same way about Fred McGriff. I mean, he's not, I don't know that he was ever the best first baseman in the league. Like, you know what I mean? I just, it never, maybe I'm wrong, 
but at the same time, I would would Hall of very very good Hall of very consistent. You know, like that's fine, but I don't know about the Hall of Fame. So that one's that's a tough one for me too, to be honest with you. All right, buy or sell the induction of Pat Hughes as the Ford C Frick winner into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Obviously, Pat Hughes, the play-by-play announcer on radio for the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, I am a – so I had to do um, a little bit of research um, about what the Ford C um, Frick Award is. And for anyone that doesn't really know, it's it's annually presented to the broadcaster for major um, contributions uh, to baseball, right? Right. And so it's basically, you know, a broadcaster's way of getting into the Hall of Fame. And it's hard for me to put biasy aside, but I am a fan of Pat Hughes. And I definitely think that he, and again, it's a broad term, has made major contributions sure. to baseball. Like when you think of Cubs baseball on the radio, who do you think of, Vince? Currently, Bob Euchre. Uh, Pat Hughes, obviously, is, would be the first one, you know, out of my mouth. All the other ones have kind of retired. Like, the, the big name guys that you know about, I feel like they've retired. Yeah. Basically, yeah. And so, you know, I it, to me, it's like, I don't... <laughs> if you ask my, my dad this question, he would probably have oh, a lot more depth. I'm sure because he knows just about every broadcaster of like every era of every team and could give you like, that's just who he is. He's an encyclopedia on a lot of things. And it's sure I'm surprised he like, I don't know where all that gets stored away. Right. Like he's, he, it's not only sports, it's like pop culture, music, TV shows, Nuts. movies, like all he can reference just about anything. But again, I'm a big fan of Pat Hughes. I enjoy listening to Pat Hughes and I think that he has done great things for the game of baseball. So I do think, and appreciate the fact that he got the award and, you know, obviously the induction into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Look, he he is the voice of the Cubs. I mean, he just is. Like, they they weren't asking, you know, the TV announcers to talk at the, the parade after they won the World Series. You know what I mean? They had Pat Hughes do it. And Pat Hughes is the Chicago Cubs. Like, they're, I know a ton of people that don't listen to the TV copy. They listen to Pat Hughes call games and they watch it. And, you know, he's amazing. He is so good. He just brings you along. He is old school when it comes to that. Like, he is Chicago Cubs baseball. I don't think there's a lot of those guys out there anymore. And But he is that guy, and he absolutely deserves And And, frankly, I feel like he should have gotten this award a while back. Uh, but I'm glad that he was finally able to get it, and he was finally able to get it while he's still working and able to enjoy it and all of that. It's not after he retired, after he's like an old, old man, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, you know, Ron Santo got his after he died. Like that's, that's messed up. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> he deserved to get in well before that. And at least Pat Hughes gets the chance to appreciate the award and he belongs in the hall of fame. So it's a huge buy for me. No, no doubt it. All right, next question. Here we go. Another Cubs question, and then we're done with baseball. I know there's a lot of non-baseball fans in the chat. I think we've I'm got the chat kind of fired up about this Scott Rowland uh, and great. Fred McGriff chat. You like took a cattle prod to people, and you're like yeah. you're messing with them. Which well, I, that's which the fun thing is like it's it's just like a it's a it's a big opinion thing, right? Like it's it's how what you value in a baseball player. What do you you know what what metrics do you 
like the most. But I, you could keep the baseball questions coming all day for me. Oh, I, I know you enjoy it. <laughs> all right, scale of one to ten, the chances that the Cubs trade Cody Bellinger and Marcus Stroman. So if you would have asked me this question four games ago before this four-game homestand with the Cardinals, I probably would have said Bellinger was a 10 out of 10, right? Gone. like Gone, gone 100%. I would say Stroman, 5 out of 10. I, I've been 50-50 on him sure. the whole year. I, I have a philosophy for what I think they should do, but I've seen the philosophy the last like three or four years, and that's sell off at the deadline of every valuable asset that has meaning to you, right? And so <laughs> Seriously. That has been the Cubs. And now we fast forward four games. They take three or four from St. Louis. Um, they get two games against a bad White Sox team, another four games against the Cardinals, and then a four-game set with the Reds after that. So like a very big 10-game you know, 10, 10 stretch coming up. And yeah. it all coincides with the deadline coming on August 1st. Which is next Tuesday, by the way. Like a week right. from tomorrow. It's a week from tomorrow. So we've got about eight, eight, eight days. And again, eight in the next 10 days, they got eight divisional matchups, right? And against the, uh, four against the Reds, who are probably going to be in first place in a couple of days. So all that being said, the Cubs are back to like two or three games under 500. Dan Swanson's back in the lineup. Nico Horner's healthy. Cody Bellinger's slashing like yeah. 450 in July. He's the, you know, the slug is crazy up. He's batting over 300 with two strike counts. He's batting 350 off lefties. It's like Cubs have messed, missed a lefty slugger for I don't know how long. I think if the Cubs continue to run the table here, and get above 500 by the time the trade deadline is here, I don't think they move Marcus Stroman at all, and then I become 50-50 on Cody Bellinger. And the reason why I think Cody Bellinger is a guy who ultimately gets traded is because the return on investment is crazy, Vince. This guy is on a one-year deal, right? Right. If you can flip a one-year deal into someone's best prospect because they need a lefty slugger in their lineup to make that playoff push – it's hard to say no to that, but the flip side of it is Cody Bellinger's batting coach is in Chicago. He's gone back to, you know, he's, he's cut down on the, the really big home run swings. And again, I said, he's got, you know, he had like, I, they said the other day in the broadcast, he had like one hit or like two hits out of 50 with two, like two strike counts. Now he's batting 350 with two strike counts. Like the guy has completely changed his approach and that's accredited to who the Cubs hitting coach is, Right. And I think that the Cubs could have success with having him in the lineup because they need that lefty uh, bat. He's a gold glover outfield, et cetera. But I just think the return on investment is going to be too big for them not to take it. Right. Like, I just think they're going to, they're going to get, they're going to get some sort of prospect in return because the team is going to need a lefty bat in their lineup. If you could convince him to sign a long-term deal right now, would you do it or would you still trade him for parts? Long term is relative. He's in his 30s now. He's 27, I thought. Really? Let's check so. real quick. I think so. Hey, well, that's what somebody in the chat said. You believe in these people? He's 28. So we were both. Okay. All right. I think if you could get him to a six year deal, I'd be okay with that. I would. Okay. Because he's not lost a step in the outfield. And like I said, he's changed his swing enough this year that he just puts the ball in play. Everything he does, he's just putting the ball in play. Even if it's a hit, he's making the defense work. 
The Cubs play in one of the two crappiest divisions in baseball. The NL Central and the AL Central are just bad. And sure. so it's like, yeah, you get on a hot streak for like a week or two and you could you could be sitting two, three games oh, in yeah. first place, right? And yep. so I think that also plays into the Cubs' decision. I Again, I think they need to keep Stroman and Justin Steele together because that's a really good one-two pitching punch for years to come. Sure. I don't think Stroman's going to go, but I, I'm, I'm about 50-50 on Bellinger, and I could – I could see both ways. Like I, I'm, sure. a, I don't want to lose Bellinger. But, but if he I refuses to sign a deal, and you're only going to have him for this year, I mean, can we all agree that Notre, I mean Notre Dame that the Cubs probably aren't going to win a World Series? Right. So I don't think so you can take that chance from it. Right. I don't think you can take that chance and keep him around, especially when he's hit his hottest streak at the trading deadline. And as Very much coincidental, as it would, huh? Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I. It would suck to trade him. Um, Irish Shy Town says, "What do you think of trading?" Bellinger straight up for Goldschmidt. Bellinger's not going to go to the Cardinals. Aren't going to be picking him up first of all because they're even more out of it than the Cubs are. So yeah, I don't I don't see that one happen in Irish Shy Town. Uh, I don't know the details about Goldschmidt's uh, contract, but if he's on a one year as well, or you know if he's at the end of his contract, I should say, then no. And I don't like picking up the Cardinals' waste, so it's a hard pass for me. Yeah, I Vince, I will never I'm never a guy who's, you know, let's <clears throat> let's trade or anything within the division. That's yeah. voodoo. Yeah. Um for me. But yeah, uh, Goldschmidt's like 35 years old. It, that's as good as he is and has been. He's a Hall of Fame player, but I mean, the closer you get to the to the 40s, it's it's hard to make a case to sure. to, you know, sign a guy to any sort of deal that's lengthy. Yeah, no, that's a hard pass for me as well. Uh, all right, here we go. Your interest in the Women's World Cup is blank. Um, my Over interest repeat like this is kind of a big <laughs> deal. Yeah, my interest in the in the Women's World Cup is pretty high, and it doesn't matter if it's men's, women's, summer, winter, whatever time. <laughs> like I, anything that has you know USA attached to it, I feel some sort of like national pride, just yeah, being man. the competitor that I've always been and just being a sport fanatic. Like there's, there's, it's like you, you combine again, sports and you know, the, the, the opportunity to watch your country compete on a national stage. I'm all about it. Like I watched uh, the second half of the game on Friday, even though I knew it was probably going to be, you know, not really a close game. I still watched and I, I will still be rooting for him just as hard as I would be rooting for the men's team, you know, the Summer Olympics, the Winter Olympics, whatever it might be, I'm all for it because, again, it's it's the United States on a national stage, and I feel that kind of just pride as a – Absolutely. That's the same way. That's the exact way that I operate. I love the Olympics. It's my favorite time of year. Uh, you know, every two years, getting to root on Team USA, the whole thing. And, look, women's the women's soccer team is one of the best national teams from any sport – you know, outside of like the dream team for basketball that the U.S. has ever had. They've won two World Cups in a row. They're going for their third, which would be unprecedented. It's never been done by any women's team, any men's team ever from any country. That's huge. I mean, yeah. that's, I, that's huge. And that's an accomplishment. And I watched the entire game on Friday. I plan on watching the entire game on Wednesday. And it's going to be a long day Wednesday with practice and summer school and shows and everything else. But the game starts at nine o'clock. It's like they planned it out for me. It's beautiful. 
So I'm going to watch it and then get up and go watch Notre Dame football practice the next morning. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I look, I, I love anything associated with USA and uh, look, you, you got to give the women's soccer team the credit where it's due. They're, they're really good. Very good. Yeah. And they're fun to watch. They're, they're really fun to watch. Like anything that's elite is fun to watch and they're elite. And so I enjoy it. Right. I mean, yes, yeah, high level. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, those Vietnamese chicks, they play rough, man. And they're all like <laughs> four foot 11. And they were they yeah. little played, firecrackers. Man, they played net. They played. And I realized when there, when there's a size differential and all that, you got to do something, you know. And they held no, they, Notre Dame. They held the USA at only three goals, which is huge considering they scored 13 in their first match uh, four years ago in the World Cup. So holding them to only three is really, really good. Uh, but damn man, they, they, they didn't take any crap from the USA. I, I kind of dug it. It was pretty good. Yeah. I mean that game, <laughs> if you saw the betting odds for a lot of those games, uh, <laughs> they, the U S now they played bad, but you know, like you said, the, the Vietnamese played a lot better than I think a lot of people expected. Yes. Their goalie was unbelievable. And Tyler yes. misguided passion. Bang says, uh, their goalie played hard. She played amazing. Like, uh, may, uh, you know, like stopping a, a penalty kick, amazing. Like, unbelievable. I mean. Yeah. I, I couldn't even imagine, Vince. Like, as a goalie. Seriously. Oh. <laughs> Dude, and I don't know how many soccer fields you've been on. Because if it wasn't for my son, the answer for me would have been, like, zero. But I've stepped into goal and, like. It's very my, daunting. My kid has, like, lined up to take PKs against me. That ball is <laughs> not that far away. Okay? Like, it's, it's right there. Yeah, I don't know how anybody stops those. It's it's pretty much a guessing game. But uh, have you but taken yes. any to the to any unfortunate locations yet? I have not. I protect <laughs> that location at all costs. I'm not diving on the. I'm not diving full length and then taking one. Ah, uh, the, the most fun is you know. I remember growing up and my dad throwing batting practice for the longest time, and we never had an L screen until he started taking Ooh, a couple off. Yeah. The yeah. <laughs> He just had these giant bruises. Oh, him. I bet. Yeah, that's and, messed and up. me, it's like, obviously, I'm not laughing at the fact that he's yeah, bruised, but it's hard not to laugh at yeah, a situation are. like that. Especially he's hopping around him. and the reaction. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's, you know, you know how he is, and we're in practice and stuff. He's, <laughs> you know, he's, he's he's telling me I'm not hitting the ball well enough, and then I smoke one off him. He's like, hey, did I hit that one well enough, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> I can just see him getting pissed off at you too for that. Just saying, just saying. But uh, all right, that's great. Uh, it serves him right for not having an L screen. Buy one, I guess. All right. Next question: Many NFL and college football teams are coming out with alternate or throwback uniforms. It's like the thing these days. What's the best one that you've seen so far, and what are the worst ones that you've seen so far? Yeah, so I'm going to I'm a I'm a visual learner. Um <laughs> I have some some stuff prepared for us. I'm gonna bring up let's do this some of some of the ones that I like. Okay. Um I'm gonna start with oh, this is nice. I can control which one I start with. I gotta go with the obvious favorite here, my favorite out of um all of these uniforms. I think this is uh can is it, is it sharing my screen? There we go. Of course. There we go. I mean, these, 
these are clean right here, man. The that what makes these for me is when they put the sh- the, the stars um on the shoulder pads. I'm a big fan of these ones. Uh some of my favorites, but you know, a little bit of biasy. I'll go to why don't we switch to ones that I think are are pretty hideous? And these these came out um kind of recently. They're the Buccaneers creamsicle oh, jerseys. The creamsicle ones. Yeah. Those Not a fan bad. of these. Those are pretty bad. I'll give you that. That was gonna be high on my list as well. Like I guess I don't mind it, but they're probably one of the worst. I mean right. Yeah, it's like I they, they don't like I'm not like oh whoa like but yeah they're just not they don't do anything for me right right um another one and to to shift off of uh my my cowboys bias I have another one that I thought were pretty cool and uh let me get this one up real quick here we go these are the Tennessee Titans slash yeah. Houston Oilers throwbacks I just like. The, I any I don't know what it is, but the powdered blue uniforms are always mm. a win for me. Like when the Chargers used to wear those powdered blue uniforms. You're like a classic St. Joe fan. That's what it love is. Love those. I, I had a Ladanian Tomlinson jersey when he when they would wear those uh those powder blue ones. So big fan of those. <clears throat> um and then I think I have I think I got one more. I, I did have okay. another Cowboys one, but you know, I oh. already burned that bridge. So I got one last one real quick. Um, and these, there's nothing crazy about these, but they just look pretty clean to me. Right. And it's, you, you start thinking about the new England Patriots. I don't think oftentimes you think of these red uniforms, but I, I really like when they wear these, there's nothing crazy about them. Um, I like the old school helmet, but again, it's just, you don't see the Patriots wear the red very often. It's, you know, it's that dark blue or white uniform with maybe a sprinkle of red, but when they go with these all red kind of alternate uniforms, um, I very much like those. We've we've got Indian fans uh, in the chat, and I don't know how I feel about it. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, we might have to remove it. Can you get bans for being a <laughs> – I mean, it's <laughs> close. That one's tough for events, too, for the people that don't know. He went to Marion, so that's uh, – I, I used to like Detroit Hunter. I mean, I thought <laughs> we were very similar, and now I find out he's a St. Joe guy, and I just don't know how I feel about that whole thing. I. Uh, he wants to know what they did with the old St. Joe High School. Well, guess what? It doesn't it exist anymore. It got tore down, and then um, they built a crappy high school on a hill and ran into problems. <laughs> now, they have a gorgeous football stadium, especially when the sun's going down. Like, it's beautiful. It got forked? Is that what you just said? Yeah, when it for, you don't remember that? When it first opened up, all those kids stabbed plastic forks in them and then broke them off? Oh, oh I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Uh, all of my yeah. greatest memory is beating them on their homecoming senior yeah. year. That was beautiful. Was that was that the Shaq Van game? Yeah, because that was unbelievable. <laughs> Never seen that in my life. Kid that we that played with Jesse. You guys are the same age, right? You guys were in the same grade. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I was coaching, and I'll never forget it. Uh, we had a he's our running back. He ran for four hundred and twenty-five yards. In and like one five, game t- and five touchdowns and five. He touchdowns. was the offense. He was. The all like and you guys and we won by like a touchdown like that was yeah. <laughs> he was absolutely the offense. The only reason and, we won is because we took their opening possession for a pick six. After that, it was just like <laughs> we gained the you know the edge, and all we had to do is keep scoring, and that's that's basically all it was. I will selfishly take a lot of credit for that because our the head coach at the time was getting ready to punt on fourth down, 
And I said, no, we're going, we should go for it. And you just need to give Shaq the ball. And then he's on that play. He scored like a 70 yard touchdown down the sideline (laughs) and he was getting ready to punt the ball away for shame, for shame. Anyway. I can't believe all these St. Joe people. In the I chat. know. Where are all the Marion people? I, man, I don't. Oh, there, Chris. Chris you is an old some school Washington fan, man. And he's got the last name of old school Washington people. <laughs> yeah, that Polish West Side <laughs> yes. of town. There's no doubt. I coached at Washington too, Chris. So I, I'm with you, man. I'm with I think you need to make the disclaimer. You coached about every school in South Bend. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I coached at every <laughs> South Bend school at least one, at least in one sport in or the some other. Capacity. Yeah, in one sport or the other, I did. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, all right. Anyway, we got one more question, I believe. Uh, here we go. Reports, and I believe this report's been out there for a little while, but I saw it on Twitter today uh, with a picture of the football team. And it says, reports that UConn is headed to the Big 12 are blank. I think it's tremendous for UConn uh, for every aspect except football. I, I I hope that this brings UConn some sort of, you know, bringing them back in football because they were almost like that program was almost eliminated as a whole. That's but terrible. it makes sense in terms of their biggest breadwinners as a university, and that's basketball on both men's and women's sides. I think it is a tremendous addition to the conference. You know, I, I to me personally, I think the Big 12 is one of the best basketball conferences year in and year out. Um, and when you add someone like UConn on both the men's and women's side, I just think it adds tremendous depth and it just adds. Uh-oh, we lost Jesse. We lost Jesse, but that's okay. He he was about, he was basically saying that the basketball version of, uh, of UConn belongs in the Big 12 because the Big 12 is a – arguably the best basketball conference, uh, you know, in the country. And I can't say that I disagree uh, with him on that. And he's back. And so I'll let him finish his thought on, on UConn to the big 12. <laughs> My browser just randomly updated and shut it oh, all down. I was nice. like, oh, okay, that's really nice. I wasn't doing something, but yeah, I, I just think that when you add UConn and, and their storied basketball backgrounds to a conference that is, been really good at basketball the last you know decade or two like kansas baylor texas like there's so many good basketball teams in the big 12 i just think that it it, it just adds even more depth and you're going to see even more quality um of basketball potentially but i just really hope they can figure it out on the football side of things yeah i i that's the only place i see it too i think bass or football they're going to be woefully outmatched at least for the first few years maybe once they're in the big 12 and they can Recruit like a Big 12 team. Maybe they'll have more success, but uh, they got a long ways to go from a football side of it. But it makes sense because, look, isn't the argument out there, right, that the UConn basketball team is considered a blue blood? Because right. Of yeah, that was the argument after won? this last year. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a that's a big get for the Big 12 from a basketball standpoint. I don't know. I will safely say I don't know anything about their Olympic sports other than basketball. So, I don't know what, what kind of fit it's going to be you know, in track and field and, and soccer and all those different things. I don't know. But from football and basketball, basketball, great fit. Football, they're going to struggle. It's going right. to be like – they're going to be like the Vanderbilt of the SEC for quite a while, uh, I, I have a feeling. So, but, yeah, whatever, man. They'll 
be competitive in basketball, and that's obviously what's going to bring him in the money, at least right now. So I get it. All right. There's a few things over here. No, we're good. Oh, oh we got one last question from, from our, our, our boy Derek. What is the media availability this year for Notre Dame football? And Derek, we're not supposed to give out that information. What I can tell you is that it starts on Wednesday, and it is a full practice, and we'll be there. And we'll let you know how it went at 1 o'clock on Wednesday and at 6 o'clock on Wednesday. Uh, we get two full practices, and we get a bunch of five-period practices at the beginning. So take that for what it's worth. Um, and it's obviously mostly front-loaded. That's what I'll say. It's mostly front-loaded because once you get closer to the season, within like two weeks, they want to be able to, you know, do their thing without the media being there, which makes perfect sense. So, you know, but I'm looking forward to it. We actually finally get to see the ball flying through the air and, you know, caught and thrown by Notre Dame people. So that's going to be great. All right, Jess. One day down, four to go. Are you with me? Oh, I am. All right, I hope buddy. I didn't uh, lose enough people. I talked a lot today. <laughs> you better bring the pain for the next four, buddy. So <laughs> uh, we will be back tomorrow at 6 o'clock for another IB Nation Sports Talk. And we are going to be talking about our big, bold predictions for fall camp. Uh, we will predict uh, some position wins and losses and kind of talk about Flip what flops. we're expecting to see. And, yeah, all kinds of fun stuff. So we're going to have some fun with it. I know tomorrow – uh, at one o'clock, Brian and I will be on the show, and we are going to talk also about our expectations for fall camp. So, hey, listen, everyone, previews. give it up for Vince. All right, the man has fifty summer jobs, and he's still every, <laughs> here every day with a smile on his face, putting it on for everyone. It's true. Tomorrow, I have summer school at eight a.m., and as soon as I'm done with summer school, I'm coming to do the show with Brian. So and he's probably sneaking a Gatorade break in between there. You're as darn well. right. Always on the phone, texting, making sure things are going the right way. So I'm surprised. You remind me of a guy that would have a BlackBerry, just constantly, just like you know what I mean. Just like might always well got be. people to be in contact with. It might as well be, my friend. It might as well be. So, all right. So until tomorrow night, that's Jesse. I'm Vince. Thank you guys for joining us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Mother's Day is almost here. 
and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.